The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building Resilience. Talking Trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. And welcome everyone to Radio Tony, changing the world one radio show at the time. Welcome to Rebel and in the background I have my guests already, Auntie Rhonda and Jackie, who I'll introduce to all you lovely listeners uh, very shortly. So just a reminder to jump onto my website, tonylontis.com and check out what I've been up to and see my latest blog. I've now got a Facebook page for Radio Tony, so all of those of you on Facebook if you'd like to pop on and like the page or talk to me directly, it's Radio Tony on Facebook. So, what's been happening in my world this week? I think I'm finally getting through the worst flu I've had in about seven years. And I've just finished my antibiotics and my voice is starting to return and that's great. It's been a cold, rainy winter here on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. And my goats are not liking it one iota. Goats don't like their feet wet, and as a consequence, they stay in their shed, huddled in the hay, and don't venture out, which is not really good for them because they need to get out and eat grass, so they get nice and fat feeding on loosened hay in the shed. The llamas, on the other hand, stand out in the pouring rain, eating grass to their heart's content with not a worry in the world, so their coats are looking beautiful, wonderful, and clean. I'm happy to see the sun out again because that means the llamas go back to sun baking and seeing those big boys lying stretched out in the sun, belly up with their legs in the air, makes my heart sing. They are the most magnificent beasts and the way they interact with the goats has us in stitches all the time. Also this week sees my daughter and her gran- and our grandson coming to stay for a little while whilst they try and find alternate accommodation. So much fun to have a three-year-old who can talk the socks off anyone and whose favourite person in the whole world is his beloved Poppy, my husband. His delight at being on the farm and being able to run outside, play in the dirt, climb trees and climb onto the swing is palpable. He makes us laugh so much that our stomachs hurt and he has an amazing obsession for dinosaurs. We love having them here and I know that we'll miss them when they go again. 
So what's happening around the world this week? Well, in Germany, the Deutsche Bank announced 18,000 job cuts from around the globe by 2022 as part of a sweeping overhaul to the ailing German lender as the company transitions out of high-risk in-bank, high-risk investment making. In innovative news, a robotic fish fitted with hydraulic circuitry system, which also carries energy, has been developed by Cornell University. Without a recharging source, the batteries would quickly discharge, but this system allows the robot to be powered for about 40 hours. In celebrity news, it's been announced that Taylor Swift is the highest paid celebrity from last year, earning a whopping $185 million. In the Forbes highest paid celebrity list, the second place goes to model and makeup mogul Kylie Jenner with $170 million. In further US news this week, the co-captain of the World Cup winning US women's football team delivered a show-stopping speech during the team's victory parade in New York, sending a powerful message with ramifications far beyond football. Star forward Megan Rapino, who was recently hit headlines after passionately demanding equal pay for female athletes, urged the crowd to make the world a better place. The speech, which garnered repeated cheers from the crowd, followed a celebration-filled parade through New York with thousands gathering to catch a glimpse of the champion team. The US team defeated the Netherlands 2-0 in the Women's World Cup in France on Monday to take home their fourth world title. In the sea around Indonesia, which is close to Australia, but close enough not to cause us a hassle, there's been a nine, a 6.9 earthquake and it has triggered a tsunami warning. In the US, floods slam New Orleans as the Gulf Coast braces for a possible hurricane. The National Hurricane Centre predicts the system could become Hurricane Barry and it will make landfall along the western Gulf Coast later this week. Currently, the system is spinning off the Gulf of Mexico with winds of approximately 30 miles per hour. A flash flooding emergency was issued in Washington, D.C. and surrounding areas of Maryland and Virginia after heavy rains flooded numerous roads, making for a messy Monday compute. There were reports that up to four inches of rain dropped in some areas in as little as an hour. That's an awful lot of rain. And over to Norway, who are building the largest ship tunnel in the world. The figures are staggering, not only regarding its total cost, which is estimated to hit the 300 million euro mark, but also because the procedure will result in the displacement of about 8 million tonnes of rock. All this will lead the way to a remarkable 1.7 kilometre kilometer, kilometer long, 50 metre tall, 36 metre wide tunnel. Over to aircraft news. 
Although capable aircraft technically exist today, flying the so-called kangaroo route between London and Sydney non-stop has proven elusive for airlines from both a profitability and a customer comfort standpoint. So what I mean about the kangaroo route is that usually to get anywhere from Australia, the island in the middle of nowhere, we have to go from Australia to, say, Singapore, for instance, or Abu Dhabi or Doha, and then go on to Europe as the only way that we can get. The only flight that flies directly from Australia is from Perth, which is about a six-hour flight from where we are today, and that flies directly to London over 17 hours. Um, the airlines have been trying to get a non-stop London-Sydney route for many years and it's believed that sometime in the future we can look to that flight being flown in four hours or less as faster aircraft are made. In innovation news, scientists have discovered a new material that be, could be used in the construction industry. The new MIT-developed technology combines both approaches in an efficient and pioneering way. The material that they're working with reacts to the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and it starts to grow, strengthen and even repair itself, just like a plant would. Basically, it's a gel-like synthetic polymer with chloroplast compounds that allow vegetable cells to capture the sunlight. The only issue, one of the, bi one of the biological compounds is extremely unstable and starts to degrade after a few hours. However, the innovative technology project is exciting researchers and helping them explore several ways of expanding its lifetime and even replacing it with a synthetic version in the future. Researchers in Florida Atlantic University are looking into the possibility of creating um, a flexible technological device that would make its way into the narrow undersea openings. When they mulled about sea creatures that would could inspire them, they soon thought about the jellyfish. Firstly, because of its soft tissues, and secondly, because of its natural, neutral buoyancy, its ability to float. The scientists who worked at the university thought that these characteristics would develop devices with varying degrees of softness, aiming to create a robot better suited to undersea exploration. So why is undersea exploration important? Well, the health of our seas is of paramount importance. And whilst we can get to most of our seabeds quite easily, the real depths of the deep seabeds remain elusive for researchers and those wanting to know about the health of our oceans. Every day, Thousands of people suffering from different diseases benefit from the generosity of organ donors that provide hearts, corneas, kidneys and skin that other people need. However, because of compatibility issues and demand outstripping supply, organs are not always available when they're needed. 
On top of that, patients with donated organs must undergo medication for the rest of their lives to prevent rejection of the new organ. In view of these issues, science is looking at developing other options, especially in the field of lab-engineered organs using stem cells. And why do I find this so exciting? The information that they're gaining about stem cells has grown so much since they first appeared on the medical scene. Lab-grown skin is increasingly common, but now with 3D printing opening the door to far more ambitious possibilities. Lungs, for example, are the largest and most complex of our human organs with millions of alveoli and bronchi network that spread out that if spread out would cover a tennis court thus a 3d lung being printed by a u.s company united therapeutics is a huge step forward it's a very exciting time that we live in listeners also around 3d printing is the concept of 3d printed prosthetics this application is already available and has reduced, sustain, roost, reduced substantially the cost of developing mobility systems to help people suffering from loss of limbs. The 3D printers can be moved and placed in any part of the world where a scanned image of an arm or a leg or a hand or a finger can be sent to order and create a symmetric prosthesis. What a wonderful invention in this day and age. So just before we go to the break, I want to do a big shout out to a new friend of mine called Jerry Morris. He's been in the guest speaking industry since 2001, making him one of the most experienced speaker consultants in Australia. Over the past two decades, he's worked with ex-Prime Ministers, Capitals of Industry and best-known sporting heroes in the country, finance gurus, futurist, amazing, motivational and inspirational speakers and some of the biggest names in media and entertainment. Then, three years ago, whilst running events on the Sunshine Coast, Jerry was knocked off his push bike, flung into oncoming traffic, then hit and dragged under a car for 20 metres. Ten amazing men who were dining nearby in nearby cafes and barbecuing at the park with their families ran to his rescue. After assessing the scene and thinking Jerry was dead, they decided to lift the car off him. He was squashed under the engine and his head was in the wheel arch. Believing that Gary was dead, the rescuers stood over him, thought best that they get a blanket to put over his dead body. Then he started to make some very strange noises. And Jerry came back to life. What followed for him was a world of pain and slow recovery. As in all good recovery stories, Jerry came up with a brilliant plan for a new concept for professional speakers. So he now runs an amazing site called bookspeakersdirect.com. That's B-O-O-K-S-P-E-A-K-E-R-S-D-I-R-E-C-T.com. 
and his team can be contacted directly on the phone number on that site. So before we throw to the break, I just want to mention that in the lead up to NAIDOC week, and NAIDOC week stands for National Aborigines and Islands, Islanders Day of of observance committee and it's a week of celebrations across australia held in july each year and to celebrate this very important event and to uh talk about our wonderful indigenous history after the break i'll be talking to rhonda collard spratt over to you rebel for a break radio tony Bringing social consciousness this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia, on W4WN. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty, is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony, experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumphed in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Welcome back, everyone, to Radio Tony. And before I welcome my beautiful guest this morning, just a little bit about Rhonda Collard Spratt. Rhonda is a strong Nyati Nugangar woman. She is a visual artist, storyteller, poet, singer, songwriter, dancer and art teacher. She speaks out against injustices against her people and Mother Earth. As an elder, Rhonda conducts Aboriginal cultural workshops and has worked in prisons with young women around suicide prevention helping them reconnect with their Aboriginality. As a representative of the Stolen Generations, Rhonda officiates at National Sorry Day events in Brisbane and Ipswich. Over 20 years ago in Australia, a landmark inquiry called Bringing Them Home revealed in harrowing detail what happened to the Stolen Generations. There were many recommendations from this inquiry and to this day, some of these recommendations have never been implemented. In 1954, aged just three, Rhonda Collard's brat was taken from her Aboriginal family and placed at Carnarvon Native Mission in Western Australia. She was stolen from her mother. The Australian government at the time did this to assimilate the Aboriginal children into white society. It was inhumane and has remained a blight on Australia's history. Growing up in a white world of chores and aprons, religious teachings and cruel beatings, Rhonda drew strength and healing from her mission brothers and sisters, her art, music and protest poetry and her unspeakable bond with the dreaming. In 
A national apology was issued in 2008 by then Prime Minister Kevin Rudd. But this has only gone a little way to heal the generations of stolen children and our precious Aboriginal people as a whole. Rhonda's book, Alice's Daughter, talks about her search for culture and family as she faced violence, racism, foster families and the death of her father in custody, one of the first deaths investigated as part of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. And before I talk to Rhonda, and uh, listeners, you'll hear me call Rhonda Auntie Rhonda because that's what she's asked me to call her today, and I'm so privileged that I get to do that. Before I talk to, to Auntie Rhonda, I want to start this segment with an acknowledgement to country. An acknowledgement of country is an opportunity to acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional owners and ongoing going custodians of this land, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Acknowledgements are often made at the commencements of events, meetings, speeches and formal occasions. And the acknowledgement can be made by anyone, Indigenous or non-Indigenous. An acknowledgement of country will often highlight the unique position of our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Australian culture and history. So he here is my acknowledgement. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And so now I'd like to introduce you all to the fabulous Auntie Rhonda. How are you? Hello, Tony. I'm well, thank you. Thank you for that beautiful acknowledgement that really touched my heart. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate having you um, on the show today and I'm wondering if you we could start this um, conversation and if you could tell our listeners about NADOC Week and why it's so important. Well, NADOC Week, for us as Aboriginal people, First Nations of this land, it's about honouring our past and coming together as a people to carry on our culture, to pass it on to the young people and to know what happened in the past because we yes. must know what happened in the past so we can move towards the future. And it's about yes. coming together. Yeah. We have been split up, put here, taken there. So it's about coming together in a celebrate for a celebration of our survival on this land because yes. many obstacles were put in our way since they the first storm in 1788. Yeah. So, but besides all that, we are still here. We haven't vanished. So it's about coming together and celebrating who we are as First Nations people, Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people of this sacred land. So it's very important. It's a joyous time, but then also there's sadness when we realise yes. that many of our people are not here. They have gone too early and the government has put a program in place called Closing the Gap. That means because we don't live as long as non-Indigenous people 
That's it right. Does have education as like white people. So it's about coming together and acknowledging the past as well as acknowledging now and looking towards the future. So it's about strengthening our our bond together as a nation, as Aboriginal yes. people, and we also walk with our non-Indigenous people. And yes. I have a dear friend with me here, Jackie Farrow, and yes. through Jackie, um, sorry, I'm getting emotional now, through Jackie. That's quite okay. And without Jackie, um, I don't think my book would have gotten done, but I want to appreciate show her my appreciation for everything she's done for me and we are walking in the true spirit of reconciliation she has come when I needed to walk with a non-indigenous person and I just want to thank her from the bottom of my heart and she comes to NAIDOC celebrations with us and joins in and you know it feels really deadly deadly is an Aboriginal This word means good. <laughs> I was just going to say for our listeners, they might hear the word deadly, but it, it, it that's a good word and it's a word used by lots of um, Aboriginal um, people and uh, across Australia as a word for meaning good um, and it's a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. It's We have our own Aboriginal English and I, I reckon yes. we should that should be recognised as an official language. Oh, Definitely, definitely. But, but for me, NAIDOC yes. is most is very important, and I think Australia as a nation, we should have a public holiday for everybody, not just oh, for. Uh, and it should be in the, at the start of NAIDOC week. I I would think what what yes. a great time for it to be in recognition of our um, our wonderful First Peoples. Um, it's so NAIDOC week. Important love. Yeah, NAIDOC week is also about recognising that incredibly rich Aboriginal culture around dreaming and um, right. the earth and and art and music, isn't it, Annie Rhonda? That's so true, love. We need that. That's that's our breath. That gives us life. We need that connection to our land because the land is our mother earth. Yes. And through my childhood, because I didn't have my birth mother with me, the land helped me through my healing. She accepted me when I laid down in the wild flowers and was surrounded by that beauty and the perfumes from the wild flowers, from the red earth where I was born. Um, I climbed the gum tree to be close to nature because nature rejected me. Yeah. I felt loved from our Mother Earth because I yeah. received her love as a child. Yeah. We were nurtured. Nobody yeah. hugged me till I was an adult. So for a child oh. to grow up alone and with no um, affection, that kills your soul and your spirit inside. You think you're not worth it because nobody on this planet ever showed us any love or affection. and. That has had a devastating effect on many of our people who were to- taken. Yes. And it affects our relationships today. My husband yes. me, I had a heart of stone that I could not show any love or affection. But how yeah. could nobody ever showed it to me? 
so no one taught you how to love no one taught us and now i overdo that love with my children i don't know when to pull back and but i'm sure they appreciate all your love Aunty Rhonda. yeah thank you dear but um it's been a devastating effect on us even today um people tell us to get over it non-indigenous no. people no and what i say to them and i tell the young students at school don't speak from anger you speak from passion for our people and our history and you speak from that place in your heart and you say yeah. to people excuse me but would you ask the jewish people to get over hitler would no. you ask um, america to get over 911 would you ask the Native Americans, First Nations people of America, to get over Christopher Columbus? Would you ask White Australia to get over Anzac? So please don't ask yes. us to get over our history because it's your history too. It so, is. And we also suffer today from the past. And the past yeah. is like our shadow. It follows you everywhere. You can't yeah. get rid of it. And yeah. it covers your eyes and... You, the vision of the world today so as a nation we need to know the truth of yes the real history of this land yes and um through our journey with my book me and jackie we've yeah. got many many book clubs and the things that people don't know it just knocks my socks off because yes the true history it's yeah it's so it's mind-blowing yeah. So we need to find our voice, same as the theme for this year. Yeah. It's voice, treaty, truth. Yes. And it's taken me years to find my voice because we weren't yeah. allowed to speak. Yeah. And now I can't stop. <laughs> oh, and that's a very wonderful thing. So, Anirunda, I'm wondering if I can take you back to the yeah. beginning of your life. And I wonder if you can tell our listeners about your earliest memories before you were taken from your mother. What was life like and, and did you have brothers and sisters and what are your memories of your mum? Well, I was born in 1951 and our people, we could not live in town. Yeah. We were in fringe camps and in, res in reserves, native reserves. Yeah. And my from grade from year one to three, I lived with my family. And my earliest memories was being with my family and crawling to an old Aboriginal lady through the red yeah. dirt. And I yeah. remember going past horses and crawling to her. And she was, yeah. And that was my earliest memories and of horses because yeah. my grandmother and her husband, my step pop, they had horses. Yeah. yeah. So I remember the horses and this old Aboriginal lady yeah. that I crawled to her every morning. So that's my earliest memories of being with my family. And they're and happy memories, yeah. They are happy memories. Yeah. And, um, and when I was taken to the mission, I thought, where is my mother? She's not here anymore. There was oh. just hundreds of little Aboriginal children and, and missionaries non-white yeah. missionaries so I thought we're all little children here with no Aboriginal people yeah we grew up in dormitories we had yeah. 10 dormitories in this place 10 and 
10. And as you got older, you moved on to the next. We had kindergarten <sighs> dormitory. We had little girls dormitory, junior girls dormitory, senior girls dormitory, teenagers dormitory, then home girls. And the boys had junior boys dormitory, senior boys dormitory and um, the bunkhouse. So we kept wow. moving and my sister and I were in different dormitories because of our age group, our different ages. So I had to play with her. We were in different yards and if you had a brother, they were separated too. And I didn't have any brothers in the mission at the time because I've got brothers who came along later when my mother married the Englishman. Yeah. So it was I just can't. me and my sister in the whole wide world that I thought I had. And that I was can't imagine how that must have been for you and and for your mother as a as a mother and a grandmother. My heart breaks for that three-year-old Rhonda and what she suffered and was subjected to. And I'm just wondering if you can tell our listeners, did you consciously understand that you weren't going to see mum again or were you too young to really understand until you were older? I was a bit too young. Yeah. Growing up, I thought this is how all Aboriginal children lived. I thought this was normal. <sighs> but I saw that the missionaries had their children with them. And, yeah. Uh, and I thought, oh, this is how all Aboriginal kids live. And because we had no, I had no contact with the outside world. Yeah. And, um, yeah, growing up in those places, it was pretty so, lonely. They're remote places, weren't they, yeah, Aronda? Yeah, we were out of town, out of sight. Yeah. And, um, we did many chores, got many a beatings. My first beating was when I was about three hours in the junior in the kindergarten dormitory. Yeah. And we'd seen the missionaries making cakes with real eggs, and we had yes. the big chook yard there. Yeah. A chicken yard. Yeah. With all, hundreds of chickens, or we say yeah. chooks. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so we broke into there, me and my little friend, and yeah. we were making mud pies with real eggs. <laughs> and mixing it into the earth, and then we were frog marched. You know what frog marching is? Yes, yes. They grab you by your pants and lift you up. Yeah. Take them to the office, and we were our first beatings, three-year-old children for breaking the eggs. Mm. And all those years there, we never ate one egg. They sold oh. the town people, so we never got one egg. Never? And never. So um, now for my special breakfast, I like to have bacon and yeah. eggs, grilled tomatoes. <laughs> and Excellent. And can I just share, yeah. like... Yes. Because we worked hard and we had to prepare the missionaries' breakfast and they had a grapefruit with... Um, we had to segment each segment, put brown sugar and a red cherry then they'd have oh. porridge and hot milk then bacon and eggs and grilled tomato and a cup of tea and yeah. we had porridge with weevils in it that you can pick up out of the plate like a pizza and bread and molasses oh and then, molasses oh. yeah and one day because we normally say a big grace for the whole dining room yeah and this day, the missionary at our little table said, now can everybody around this table please say a sentence a grateful for our own grace? And the yeah. kids went around saying their sentences. 
Then it came to the boy next to me. Yeah. And he said, dear Jesus, I thank you for ham and eggs. Then I hit him, I elbowed him in the ribs. I said, Marshall Kelly, what are you thanking Jesus for ham and eggs? We don't get it, they do. And he said, Rhonda Spratt, open your ears. I'm thanking, for, I'm thanking Jesus for my arms and legs, not ham and eggs. <laughs> now, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, but he never got good food. Oh, so, so now my issue is all around food because of yes. I don't want to starve again. Yes, yes, and that's perfectly understandable yeah. after what you went through in childhood. And so, even, even the girls at my work when I started work at Fremantle to yes. do hairdressing, they said to me, "Look at you, we can pluck a tune on your ribs." That's how skinny. Oh. But dear they can't dear. anymore now because I'm nice and cuddly. That's. <laughs> A good way to be. That's a good way to be. And you had to work really hard in the missions, didn't you, Bunny oh, yes. Rhonda? Yes, we we had to work hard. We did um, laundry. That was pretty hard work. We Even did, as a three-year-old? Yeah, well, we, um, we, we worked hard. We had to make our beds, and if you wet the bed, you had to wash the sheets, and you were struggling to reach the big trough. So... Um, <sighs> We had to polish the floors, clean the toilets. And one job I hated was ironing. Because oh. we had to iron and then we had to starch all the clothes and then re-iron them again. Wow. So today I don't even own an iron or an ironing board. And I but don't you wouldn't have been able to reach you wouldn't have been able to reach the ironing board. You were so tiny. Yeah, but that's how it was. And oh. um yeah, so, but from that, I guess what positive thing came out of it, I have a good work ethic. If I've got a yes. job, I will finish it through to the end. But yeah. other than that, you know, we hardly had time to play, but I, um, I find strength from my other mission brothers and sisters. Yes. We, have you managed to stay in contact with oh, yes, many of them? Yeah. Yes, since the um, we had a reunion, the first one was two thousand and seven, and we wow. reunited. And they always ring me every time I ring them. Yes, and we speak, and many of them are still carrying their grief. The scars. I say to many of my mission mission brothers and sisters, they seem to they are my real family because we yes we experience the same thing and the same time, the same history. I, yeah. We have a close connection. Yeah. And um, now, because of the Royal Commission into Institutional Childhood Sexual Abuse, yes, yeah, we are ringing each other and supporting each other. And one of the brothers said, you know what, sis, I feel like crying. I said, we're, we're nearly 70 now. I said, yes. you can cry for that little mission kid inside you. Yes. Just, just cry. Yes. A lot yes. of them haven't, and they thank me for being their voice because yes. many of them can't speak up as yet. Yeah. I hope in the future that they will find their healing, Yeah. find their voice, and, yeah, my heart breaks for many of our people. We get yeah. judged because many of our people have turned to the drink. It's yes. a bad way to hide, to yes. try and cover up what they suffered as, yeah. as children. And, and, and be judgmental because you don't yes. know 
a person has gone through until you've walked in our shoes or you've and sat down and spoken with us with an open yeah. heart and mind. Because yeah. many non-Indigenous Australians haven't even met us or spoken to us. Yeah. So I'd encourage them to take time out and see us as human beings yeah. and um, get to know us and understand our journey. Yeah. Because we share that it's a common history. It's your history and it's our history. It is. It shouldn't be us and them. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so... Um, and, and your trauma and the trauma of all the stolen generations is a blight on Australia as a whole. And unless we step out and start to help to heal the trauma of growing up in those mission environments, we as a country will struggle until we start to help to heal what happened in the past to acknowledge it and yes. to for to listen to the stories and listen with empathy and um, assistance and just to allow people the space to tell their stories and um, so true. talk about the trauma that they went through or and provide a safe space where they can yes. feel that they can talk about it because what happens is that those stories are locked in people's minds and bodies and that leads to all those other horrible things like crime, alcoholism and abuse. They're all based That's from right. trauma. That's and right. To, heal that and heal the issues that our people face we need to start listening to their stories That's and acknowledge right. their stories as their truth and one of the brothers at our first reunion he got up in the middle of the circle and he said everyone i'd like to talk about sexual abuse and the whole crowd yeah. went silent yeah but, but i jumped up and stood by his side and my little sister debbie well done. And we said, everyone, this is true. This really happened. Yes. yes. And I said, I guess people aren't prepared to talk about it just yet. But I said to brother, I said, I'm proud of you, that you had yeah. the strength and the courage to and stand. And it does take We're so here much to support strength. you. You know, yeah. he had the courage and strength to stand up in front of all the mission family. Yeah. And speak his truth. Yes. And yet I, me, me and my sister heard his truth, but no one else was ready at that point. Yeah. So. Yeah. It takes a long time to get to that point where you think that you can share something so traumatic, particularly around anything involving sexual abuse. That's and it, right. And it. And he, it, he actually shared that the missionary men would come in the middle of the night, not just one. <gasps> And they would abuse him as a little a boy. And I know that's why he drinks every day. Yes. And many of our family do that, our mission families. And, you know, I'm, I've done a lot of healing in, over here yes. in Brisbane. And we yeah. need more of this back in WA, even in the yes. remote areas where a lot of our people live. And, um, you know, they're just missing out. But yeah. I'm glad there for them and they're there for me because we they ring me every day and we've since yes. that 2007 reunion 
yes. we are constantly in touch. So What a wonderful thing for you to do, Honey Rhonda. Yes, and um, we're working with the Royal Commission at the moment. Yes. For the redress. Do you feel... Do you feel that they have listened to you adequately enough? Well, I don't feel they have. Yeah. But that's why we must not be silent. We must keep telling our stories. We must, yes. We yeah. must keep telling our stories and eventually it'll get heard. Because sometimes it's, I think Australia's got wax in their ears. Definitely. And, um, they've got scales over their eyes. Definitely. We need to wake up and acknowledge and to acknowledge what happened and that's our first step in yeah. healing towards a healed nation, you know? Yeah, because it's not just about the telling of the story, it's about what happens to children who've been abused. It's about the lifelong trauma that exists for them and it's about the lifelong struggle they face because of that trauma. That's right. You know, for a child to be sexually abused is the biggest betrayal oh, to that absolutely. child. And an adult makes this choice. They've yeah. made a choice. A child yeah. make this choice. They know That's nothing of this world. Yep. about that world and a yeah. child deliberately chooses to break the soul of this child yeah and they carry that scar forever they do it, it they can heal. and people can heal and people can recover but the scar is always Stay. there and that's what people don't understand that yeah. that the that's healing true. can take place but the scar remains forever. That's right. And um, you can't give innocence back to a child. It's gone. That's right. They are robbed. Yes. Taken it, stolen from them, and and they're robbed of what their potential might have been had they been allowed to grow up whole. That's so true. And I've seen the damage done to our mission brothers and sisters that suffered yeah. this. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that's why I stand strong in our you voice. Do. And I yeah. I will never be silent because a lot of our ancestors didn't have a voice and many of my mission family still haven't found theirs. Yeah. So I will keep going and speak our truth and um, I will not be silent. So no. uh, even though it's a difficult conversation to have, we still yeah. must have it. And um, I just hope as Australia we can move forward by hearing our voice, talking treaty and acknowledging the true history of this land. Yes. And I think that will be a wonderful step forward if this actually came true. Yeah. For us. Yeah. You know, yeah. On many protests yes. over the years and... It's like we're not being heard. Our voice yes. is being muffled. Like we're shouting into a void. A yeah. And our voice yeah. is returned back to us by that strong wind and it's not going to where it needs to go. It's not yes. reaching people's heart and their yeah. spirit, their humanity. Yeah. And um, I just wish that it can because yes. I tell you, Australia... Yeah. 
is a racist country and that I'm speaking yes. my life experience. Yes, and I now, agree with you. Yeah. Even now. And I know Honey, Rhonda, people I that... Hate- I'm sorry, darling, I hate to interrupt you, but we need to throw to a little break. But when we come back, I'd like to continue talking about Australia and racism. So if you just hold on for a moment, we'll just throw to a break. Over to you, Rebel, and I'll be back in a minute. Keeping the conversation going on the suppressed social and moral issues, this is Radio Tony on W4WN. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Keep the conversation going. Direct assistance. Call Radio Tony. Hello. 561 623 on W4WN Radio Guest Skype.
Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Tony Lantis on Radio Tony, and today we're talking to the wonderful Auntie Rhonda about her Aboriginal culture, history, and heritage. And before the break, we were talking to Auntie Rhonda about racism in Australia, and I'd really love to hear um, your thoughts on racism in Australia. Over to you, Auntie Rhonda. Thank you. Yeah, I've suffered many issues in Ipswich, where I live, yeah. Um, my son and I have been refused entry into certain places. And wow. we've been like we're invisible when we stand in line to be served. We are ignored and they call the people who are standing behind us to be served. I have been called many and many horrible names because mm. of my colour and my race. And you know what? All these words, they cut you to your heart and your spirit and your soul. So whoever wrote that poem, sticks and stones will break my bones and names will never hurt me, they don't He's know not about right. words because the words mm. cut deep. Like a yeah. wound on your body can heal. Yeah. But the wound to your heart and your spirit and your soul, sometimes they never, ever heal. So... Words are powerful, so you need to think before you speak and wonder what will these words do to that certain person that I'm going to yeah. lay these words onto. Yeah. So think before you speak because words can damage more than you realise. And um, I just want people to know this, that, you know, we are human beings. Yeah. Peel all our skin off, we'd be sitting there looking the same, eh? That's so, exactly right. We we all, all, that's right. We're all one race, the human race. Yes. Um, and each human should different. be treated yes. with respect. And with um, acceptance and honour. Yes. You know, I've never hurt anyone in my life. I'd rather no. help people and be a kind person. Yeah. No, when we meet people, we don't say who are you and what job you do. That doesn't matter to us. We want to yeah. know where you come from. And what is your heart and your spirit like? Are you a good human being? That's most important to us as Aboriginal people. Yeah. And also we connect you to your country, to your land. And then we ask you who your family is, who your mob is. Yeah. So, you know, people, we are we are all human beings. And we, you know, want to be respected for who I am, who yes. we are as a nation. And see that we are people first. Then we come with our little differences which make yeah. the world very interesting. Just imagine if we all look the same. Yeah. Boring place will be, it would be yes. like a, a dull world, but as it is now, it's full of rainbows and colours and that's what yes. I like. To yes. have differences, but yet we are all the same. The yeah. Same. That makes sense, love. Yeah. So, um, so do you yeah. think that there still seems to be systemic racism um, across um, Australia so in terms of how the police treat you how government uh, departments treat you um, and you've already mentioned about um, local businesses um, and that 
So you still yeah, feel it is. the it's sting. Still and striving. Yeah. thriving. Sorry, <laughs> some of these English words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like the police department. Yeah, I have suffered at their hands from violence from them. Yeah, twenty-one. Yeah. They just see your colour and think that we are all up to no good as Aboriginal people. Yes. Yes. And the colour of our skin. Yes. And um, they just have no respect for us as a people. But can I just yes. share a poem that I wrote about when I had the violence by the police? Yes, please. It's called Payback. And in yeah. Aboriginal culture, if you do something to us, there is payback. Yes. And this, I wrote it the night of my trauma when the cops put guns to my head and threatened to blow my effing black head off. Yes, yes. And I did not commit any crime whatsoever. My crime yeah. was being wrapped in my beautiful Aboriginal black skin. Yeah. And yeah. I this, and they put the gun to my head and cocked it. So I still carry that trauma. And they were the kidnappers of us as children. Yes. So in Australia, we have no trust for the police. No. They get away with murder. Yes, yes, That's they do. Might be harsh to say, but it's true. Like no, they, they, they have my family and my father. Mm -hmm. He needed medical help. Their yes, calls, their voice call for help was ignored. So yeah. I want to read this poem, please. I wrote it the night after my yes. talk with the police. It's called. Yes. It's called payback. With hidden identity, you hunt in packs like marauding dogs. You crave the kill. With tunnel vision, you stalk your prey, the black, the poor, the innocent. You turn your back on justice and humanity. They know you not. In your uniform of power and blue, in your white skin of privilege, you harass, torment, ar arrest, torture, kill. You hate my race and our Aboriginal skin. You are the jailers, jury, judge, executioner, the so-called law keepers. Ha, huh, what a joke. Your actions scream louder than your words. We overflow your prisons, yet we are only 2% of our land's populations. My wish for you is after your death, you come back to this earth without your thin white skin, wrapped up in a skin of black, learn the painful forces of your unjust laws, feel the criminal act you lay on us, all in the name of your rich British Queen. Everything you did will be done to you. The endless bashings, so-called soul-cutting abuse, every petty, petty charges, rapes and murders. Have your spirit smashed and injured. Have no voice, trapped where life is lawless. No deep despair, no fear and terror. Feel powerless, lost, invisible. All these things I wish for you. I freely give all these gifts to you to have to hold forever and ever. Now in your new race, new face. Can you tell me how you feel walking in our shoes and our Aboriginal skin? So that was written straight after my trauma with the cops. Wow. That and was beautiful. So I find strength 
in writing my yes. hurt, my pain, instead of going out and being violent. Yes. I found another way of dealing with it through my music. Yeah. Writing poetry, writing songs, dancing yeah. and doing my art. And yes. I'm trying to pass that gift onto our to, people instead yes. of being angry and lashing out. I can understand why they Absolutely. want to do that. Absolutely. But then, but then I say to my young students in high school, you know, violence is a normal emotion, but it's how mm -hmm. you deal with it. You mustn't lash out. It becomes a crime. So yes. find a way to put this anger, this energy into something else. Write yeah. a song or scream into your pillow or, yeah. you know, get work it out of your system. Yeah. Of course, yeah. we have a right to be angry. Absolutely. I was robbed of my family, my identity, my spirituality, yes. um, mm -hmm. my dances, my dreaming stories. I had to find yes. out who I was as an Aboriginal person because yes. they tried to whitewash me yes. into being to fit into this society they call Australia. Yeah. So, but I have found my strength through, because I believe my ancestors walk with me every day. Yes. I am not alone anymore because yes. as a 16-year-old girl uh, from the mission, I yes. had three foster families and yes. at that time I didn't want to live because I didn't love myself and nobody loved me. Yes. We weren't showed affection, so I didn't want to live. So I actually tried to commit suicide. But then I had to learn as I journeyed through my life, I had to learn to love me and yes. not self-harm. And that's yeah. how I found strength through the land, through reconnecting to family, to my culture. And I've yeah. reclaimed back what was stolen from me in the way I know it. Because yes. I was taught tradition. I was taught Christianity. Mm -hmm. I was taught all the white, how to, how to succeed in a white world. Yes. Yet I was told by the missionaries that I would yeah. not make it in white society. I'd be a no-hoper. I would be a drunk. <gasps> All my people, <sighs> you know, that I was useless. And, you know, when you're a little child and you hear this, constantly, those, those early years are your most informative years of they learning. Are. So yeah. I, I've had to tell this voice in my mind to be quiet. Yeah. It's, that is not true. And I yeah. did not end up like that missionary said. Yeah, that's I'm right. I've respected. I've never been a drunk, never yeah. been drunk. And I've never even laid in the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I proved him wrong and, you know. I can tell you I'm, there's a lot of white boys out there who've laid in the gutter. So. <laughs> yeah, so when we went to the reunion... Yeah, yeah. We sat in a circle and just myself and one other mission sister, we yes. we found their voice and so we were the only two that spoke and I, yeah. I reached up to the sky with my hands and down to the earth. I said, wherever you are, I want you to hear me now. I yeah. didn't end up like you predicted. Yeah. I said, in yeah. fact, I'm very much respected. I've never been drunk and I went through what he said to me and you I got are. it out of my system. So... That yeah. little voice is getting quieter and quieter and quieter. So, but it um, still it still gets to you, doesn't it? I yes, it, it still <laughs> does because um, many a white voice still speaks that to me today. Yeah, yeah, huh? yeah. 
Yeah. I was told I ought to be thankful the English have come here. Uh, I, as, a, as an Australian, I'm really not thankful that the English came here myself, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, so, but this so, is part of the racism, love. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, but... That's, and yeah. it's steeped in generations of that concept of some humans being uh, better or higher than other humans when all humans are equal. That's so true. And I don't know why this thinking is. It's ridiculous yeah. to me. Yeah. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses and our goodness and our badness. That's you know, right. That's part of being who we are as people. Yeah. And um, we just got to see the beauty in people yeah. and admire our differences and accept it, you know? Yes. I yes. don't want to be tolerated. I don't like no. that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm absolutely with you. So, Ani Rhonda, you had to stay in the – let me see if I get this right. You had to stay with the mission until you were about 16, is that right? Yes. I and was there from 3 to 16. And then because did you have to then, like, were you left out on your own? Did you? No, no. What happened? I was still under the Native Act. They, they changed uh -huh. it in 1933. They, um, WA changed the Native Act yes. where every Aboriginal person belonged to the state from birth to 21. We came <gasps> under the Fisheries, the Fisheries wow. Act. Wow. Yes, yeah, so, because we still weren't seen as humans, remember? That's appalling. Under the Native Act, yeah. That's just appalling. Yeah, so I had no choice of where I lived or what I did. Yeah, yeah. But at that time, they saw that I was interested in hairdressing because I used to walk around with the beehives and the kiss yes. curls from the 60s. <laughs> yes, yes. And... Yeah. Um, they had a lady who was in the same church in Fremantle and they approached her to see if I wanted to, if she would take me on as an apprentice mm -hmm. hairdresser. So mm -hmm. I was sent down to Perth to Fremantle and I had three foster families there and I had a yeah. wonderful boss. Yeah. She was amazing to me. Um, and uh, my first wages was $8 a week and I had to pay $8 board. Oh, my goodness. But the How did you eat? No, the native welfare stepped in and they paid it for me, but okay. I was given 50 cents from my <gasps> weight for the church. <sighs> so, yeah, they That's controlled everything. hard. Yeah. Um, so... I've got some questions from um, our listeners, and and I it was it relates to the next question I was going to ask you. So, could your parents not fight for you? Did they not think this was slavery? So, the first question is, um, could your parents not fight for you? So, no. I'd really like. Um, there's a reason. I'll let you explain why uh, about your parents and what happened. My parents could not fight because we had no human rights. Yeah. And um, the Native Act overrode yeah. parental rights. Yeah, the Native Act overrode parental rights. Because wow. It, yes. So they had no chance of getting me back whatsoever. Oh. Even if they and, wanted to. And They're you weren't allowed to find them either, were you? Well, as I, um, as when I was 12, I got a first letter from her. Yes, yes. So I got a, a card and a pound note in it. 
and yeah. I was racing around the mission. I've got a letter. I've got a letter. And they yeah. said, well, sit down and read it. So, and I remembered her address. Yes. Because I knew I'd lose that envelope. And it, yes. And so I, I put that her address in my mind, and I still got it there today. And wow. I kept writing to her every week. Oh wow. And never received one letter back. Oh. And I said, when I first, years later, when I actually lost my mother, my yeah. step was English, because my yeah. mother had to ask permission to marry my Aboriginal father. Remember, oh. we weren't people. We came under wow. the fisheries. They had to get permission to marry. Wow. There was a genocidal policy of Mr. Neville, the native protector, marrying Aboriginal women to white men to breed us out. It was a genocidal policy. Oh, my goodness. So my mother and father, I don't know what happened to their request. Yeah. I, um, I spoke to my stepdad when I, I buried my mother in yes. 1996, mm-hmm. and I was singing, Yowie, Yowie, my brown-skinned baby, they take him away. Yes. And... Yes. Um, that's a anthem to all us Ab, um, stolen generation people. And I looked over and I saw my stepdad, who's English, crying. Yeah. And for the first time in my life, I called somebody dad. I called a white yeah. dad. I said, Dad, I said, I think it's time we talked. It yeah. took that song, Yowie, to break down those barriers. Yeah. When I sat down with him, I said, all I want to know, Dad, it sent funny using those words and calling a white man dad, but he'd yeah. been my mother for years and he stood yes. by her in the face of racism yes. and he wouldn't accept anything less than her being included in yeah. barbecues and, you know, going to, because they worked on cattle stations yes. and going to the homesteads for Christmas celebrations and he stood by her and said, if yeah. my doesn't go, I'm not going. Yeah. So... I had a lot of um, respect and that to um, to my stepfather. And, and he I, treated you like his own child, yeah? Yes. And then yeah. I said to my stepdad after we sang Yowie, I said, I'd just like to ask you one question. I said, for many years I've written to my mother. And I said, you took those letters, didn't you, Dad? You didn't pass them on to her? And he's cried harder and he said, no, Rhonda, we didn't receive one letter from you whatsoever. And oh, I wrote no. from the age of 12 to 16 every week. Oh, and then I thought, no. well, the missionaries would have taken them letters and just chucked it in the bin. That's what I, no. you know, when he said they didn't receive anything. That's and, just appalling. So now I've got a lot of love and admiration for my stepdad. Yeah. He's the only man I've called dad in the whole wide world. And he yeah. had the bluest eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fairest yeah. skin. Yeah. But yes. it's not he about the colour of your skin. It's about the way that you're treated yeah. and, and the kindness that you're shown. Yeah, but uh, I love these blue eyes because – and my friend Jackie got red hair. And in the, when I was in the dining, the um, kindergarten dormitory, we had a missionary with green eyes and red hair. And I thought yeah. to myself, when I grow up, I'm going to have red hair and green eyes. <laughs> Waiting. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so there's some good memories there, but there's bittersweet memories. Yeah. And but, just 
just for our listeners, those horrible government policies and those terrible government acts and legislation have all been repealed now, haven't they? They're, they're, none of those are in existence anymore. Is that right, Ani Rhonda? Well, under the Races Act, I think they're gone, but um, child safety are still taking our children. A couple of years ago, <gasps> 7,000 were taken from their birth beds and a place with foster families. So today, myself and another well-respected elder, Uncle Val Brown, we support our people at child safety, child yes. protection. Yes. So we need our children to be with their own people. If their parents yeah. can't do it, pass yeah. them the grandparents or uncle and auntie but they're yeah. all foster white foster families and i've had three foster families no seventeen thousand a couple of years ago that's just appalling yes yeah, so we are constantly speaking up against the removal the forced removal of our children and yeah. place with non-indigenous families our kids need to be with their own people aboriginal people and at the because, very least you know like i say that we were given food we were given shelter we were given clothing we were given education we were given religion but with these foster people who aren't us aboriginal people we weren't given identity we weren't yeah. given our dreaming we weren't given our language we weren't yeah. given our dances our art yes our stories yeah. so there's a big emptiness that's still there you know that, yeah. that being yeah. was not filled with yeah. them as a people. So this is why it's it's hard to do because we've been through the system, but we need yeah. to speak out. Yeah. So to many meetings here in Ipswich, yes. and it's like we're hitting our head against a brick wall. I'm but just appalled, Tony Ronda. Um, one Sorry, we got one young fella back and he's just glowing. He's so happy to yes. be with his family and we're working on bringing the other two back now. Good. But it's a work that is never ending. Yeah. It seems like we are an industry. They yeah. need our children to keep their jobs. And I've uh, got um, one of our listeners asking, do they make money from stealing the kids? Well, and it's an industry. They get paid. You get, get paid. paid. Child allowance. Get paid. Big money. Yes. And you yes. know, and our kids are—they're lost. They're lost. Yes. Spiritually yes. and their identity. They don't know who they are. Yeah. So we're, this is adding more trauma on trauma. Absolutely. On on another gonna... generation of children, Auntie Rhonda. Yes, that's right. One of our yeah. listeners is commenting, it's like human trafficking. Well, yes, it is. Yes. Government-sanctioned human trafficking. And that's so true. And there is grandmothers against forced removals because all yes. the grandmothers were looking after their grandchildren. Their kids, yes, yes. We call them grannies. Yes. All of a sudden, they're not suitable. And they've taken oh. them from white families. Oh. And, but there is a... A corporation now called Grandmothers Against Forced Removals, and they're pretty yes. powerful. Good. And we Good. have many of our community people speaking up. And people wonder why we still march. They say, oh, yeah. look at the blacks are at it again, but we need to be at it again. Absolutely. Absolutely, so, you need to be at yeah, it all the time. Till I'm in my wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, so, Ani Rhonda, we've got to just. 
I want to play another one of your songs. So we're just going to pop on to a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you and our listeners about your real dad and the first Aboriginal death in custody. So I'll quickly pop over to Rebel and I'll talk to you again after the break. Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Londis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony on W4WN. Your safe space for tough conversations. This next song is the story of our experiences of the stolen generation. The system came into my life. Just 150 k's from here where the sun rises in the east. A policeman arrived on his camel, saw me there with my family, and because I was who I was, I was stolen. This is a song I composed for that time. My brown skin, baby, they take him away. As a young preacher, I used to ride a quiet pony round the countryside in a native camp. I'll never forget a young black mother, her cheeks all wet. white man boss that baby I have why he let him take baby
again, baby, they take him away To a children's home A baby came With new clothes on And a new name Day and night he would always say Oh, mommy, mommy, why they take me away? What are The child grew up and had to go from a mission home that he loved so. To find his mother, he tried in vain. Upon this earth, they never met again. My brown skin, baby, they take him away Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Radio Tony with your host, Tony Lontis, and we're talking to the wonderful Auntie Rhonda today. And before the break, Auntie Rhonda, we started to talk about your real dad. And is it okay if we talk yes. further about him? Yes, that's fine. That's- yeah. So your real dad died in prison in 1983. Can yes. you tell our listeners why he was imprisoned in the first place? Yeah, he was sent there for drunk driving. Yeah. Um, he actually ran over a couple of people and they were killed. Yeah, so yeah. So he was in there for that crime. Yeah, yeah. But um, I never actually met him in life. Yeah. I, I typed up his name one time many years ago and it came yes. up all the black deaths and custodies. Yes. And I've got a fright. I've just read the first paragraph. Yeah. And I saw that he, him and I have the same birthday, the 17th of August. Wow. His name is Ronald. Yes. And my name's Rhonda. Yes. His, his short name was Ronnie, and my family called me Ronnie or Ron. So I'm oh. going to carry his name. Yeah. 
that uh, a wonderful worker. He yes. was a, a gun shearer. I mean, yes. a, you yes. know what means yes. a top shearer. Yes. shearer of he sheep. was a he was a fast good shearer of and sheep. And he worked. He would do over two hundred a day. Yeah. And he was a top ringer. That means he's As good well. on horses. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he was good at horses because our men often worked on cattle stations and on farms doing the sheep, shearing sheep. They moved around seasonally doing that. So he was a good worker and he and died. And a good horseman, horse and people. A good horseman, yes. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, I never met him in life. Yeah. I remember one time one of his other daughters that I knew we were sisters yeah. I ran into her in Perth and she said, the old man wants to see you. Yes. And I heard that word before and I said, what old man? Yeah. She's our father. So that's the yeah. first time I heard of that word, old man. <laughs> oh. But then I thought to myself, Yeah. no one ever came to see me in the mission. I'm not going to make an attempt to go and see him. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he was probably not allowed to come see you No, either, I didn't hey? know this. I, I didn't yeah. know later he was not allowed to yeah they had no rights to any of their children whatsoever yeah so i regret that now yeah something i was feeling hurt and yeah delusion thinking well no family ever come to see me yeah now i understand why it was out of their control and i actually saw him in his coffin oh it was a hello and goodbye at the same time, I placed a warm kiss on his cold forehead. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was my first meeting and my final goodbye. Yeah. And and for I couldn't get over that death because yes. I, for months later, for a, a father I never even knew or spoken to or yeah, a hug to or yeah. shared a smile with. But um, yes, so. It, I still feel sad about that. Yeah, but it, it was out of your control and out of his out control. Of control. And but it's my- important for our listeners to understand that he was part of a huge, big national royal commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. Yes. And that's why that's important is because Aboriginal people have a rate of death in custody so they die when they're waiting to go to jail they're waiting to go to trial they've been locked up for some reason there's an abnormally high amount of aboriginal people that die whilst in custody so that's why it's important to bring it up so and if you we're not all hardened criminals we're there no. for petty charges swearing yes. at cops Yes. Being a vagrant, you must have yes. a dollar on you in your pocket at all times. Yes. Um, we are there for being drunk in yes. public places. Yeah. Not very often that people are in there for murder and robbery, that's, violent robberies and that. It's these petty, petty yeah. crimes. And yeah. that's where this racism comes from, yeah. the institutionalised racism. Yeah. Because in the Northern Territory... Every child in the youth detention centre is Aboriginal. Every single child. And we are there, the kids are there for stealing a chocolate, taking a soft drink, 
Yep. You know? There has to be another way. Hands. It should be a slap on the hands and, you know, the parents pay for that chocolate or whatever. But why lock them up? That's not our ways. So I say that Aboriginal law is true law. You face your punishment. But the white law, they change it to suit themselves. There's one law for us and one law for white Australia. And it, it makes me angry that white people say, but we're all Australians. It's those words are easy to say, but in reality, yeah, we are that's treated, not the reality at all. We are treated totally different. Yeah, and that's our total reality in today's society. Yeah, I yeah. was in Perth when I lived there. I was followed three times in a week, and I was asked, "Where did I steal my car from?" Because <gasps> like, there was me, the Aboriginal driver, and I had children that I was picking up for cultural activities. Yeah. And at the the third time in that one week, I just held the steering wheel and I just screamed out of frustration. And all the Aboriginal kids, when they see a cop, they duck. They hide. scared of Yes. They're not our friends or, you know, like other families who aren't Aboriginal will say, that's your friend. If you're lost, go to them. We fear them. So all the kids were ducking and it was like I was the only one in the car. Yeah. Went home and told my husband... Because he was the first, him him and one other man was the first Aboriginal policeman in Western Australia. They were the yeah. police, proper policemen, not liaison officers or yeah. police aides. And he went to the commissioner of police and um, and put a complaint in. And so an APB was put out to all the police cars in Perth never to stop my car ever, ever again. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, and I'm doing my, just out in the community, supporting our kids with cultural activities, and then you get picked on. Yeah. Because of who you are and your colour. Yeah. And that's not okay. No, it's not okay. And it, it's very tiring. Yes. Very, very tiring. And it's very hurtful. Yeah. You yeah. know, and um, I just want to enjoy my life and, and be live peacefully. And, what was that, Lou? And live peacefully without undue harassment. Yeah, and um, like I was asked once at the shopping centre before I bought anything to show my driver's licence. I don't think anyone else would have ever had to be told to show their driver's licence. I've been ignored in shops. I I needed a brand new bag and I had the money and I was ignored. And I was yeah. the only person in the shop. Then some other people come and they rush straight to them. So I just walked out. Yeah, and yeah. I said, hang on to my old bag for another year. <laughs> oh, goodness me. That's not, no, that's um, just, yeah. One of our, one of our yeah. listeners um, wants to know, are women treated badly in your country? Well, I'm going to just answer that quickly generally speaking women are not treated badly however there is an undercurrent of uh, domestic violence against women in Australia that is horrendous and I know from talking to Annie Rhonda that Aboriginal women are very very disadvantaged in our country would you agree Honey yeah, Rhonda. That's, that's so true. And, you know, and our women are ignored when they go to the police. 
Yes. And that also, this is facts from where I'm from, my yes. little town, the police take our women out bush and they rape them and they leave them there. And they've got Just. nobody to go to yes. to report it because the perpetrators are in their blue uniforms. Or and rape is, back there. rape is hard enough to report as it is, yes. let alone being an Aboriginal woman. That's right. So, um, you know, we're disadvantaged a lot yeah. as Aboriginal yeah. women, you know, in jobs, in education. Yes. With our lifespan. Yes. You know, I think of death every day because I'm the oldest living person in my family alive and I'll be 68 in August. Oh, Auntie Rhonda, you've got ages to go. But when you look at my history, my father yes. died at 54, my mother at 60, her yes. mother, my grandmother at 36. Yes. And every morning I wake up and I thank the ancestors I'm still here and I never waste one moment. Yeah. I am, I I use it to the full. I'm either writing yeah. a poem, singing a song, talking to my yeah. doggies. <laughs> I love animals. Yeah. Um, yes. Animals are a I'm great very, gift, aren't they? Oh, yeah, I love them. I've, I'm feeding two other dogs in the streets whose ribs sticking out like I used to have ribs yeah. sticking out. Yeah. They come to me all the time and yeah. I've saved a dog and I've got my yeah. – my doggie's got Aboriginal names. There's yes. Mimini. She's a little foxy. Oh, what a beautiful name. What yeah, does Mimini. Mimini mean? Little girl. Oh, that's beautiful. And yeah. I rescued him. He, he was next door and I couldn't stand what they were doing to him. Yeah. So I went to speak up for him. Yeah. And I said, they said, I know we're cruel. I said, well, if you don't want him, I'll have him. So he's my doggy now and he oh. was something else, but I've given him Yura means high standing. He's yes. tall. Yes. So um, that's another passion of mine, speaking up for animal rights. Oh, you're a woman close to my heart. I'm surrounded by animals and my life would not be as nearly complete as it is without all of my furry babies around me. Right. Um, sorry, I was just going to say we're supposed to go to a break, Aunty Rhonda, but okay. I'm not going to go to a break. I'm going to keep talking to you till the end of the program if that's all right with yeah, you. that's fine, love. So in our okay. dreaming, we've got to speak yes. up for um, crimes against humanity, crimes against Mother Earth, the planet, and crimes against all living life because all life is sacred in our dreaming. So I live by can, that, those rules now. Can you explain to our listeners what the Aboriginal dreaming means? Well, to me, it's yes. about taking us back to creation. Yes. By, we call it the great spirit, the great spirit of dreaming created yes. everything yes. that we see and is unseen. Yes. We were given our laws on how to act yes. towards each other, to the earth, to animals, and we must carry that through our, our life. Yeah. So I've, I'm living through the values of our dreaming, yeah. how I know it to be because I couldn't grow up with my family and learn yeah. from them. Yeah. It's like a, a knowing within you. Yes, yes. It's, I don't know how to explain that. but Intuitive. Intuitive, yeah. Yes. So yeah. now I embrace that with all of my heart and my spirit and my arms and my feet. And I am so contented in my heart and my spirit now that I have reclaimed back, which was taken from me, 
and yes. I feel a stronger woman in this my journey through our dreaming, yeah. through our yeah. values. We must yeah. respect each other, respect yeah. our elders because they are the carriage of knowledge through their life experiences. They and are wise. We must respect each other. We must listen to each other and hear each other's voices. Yes. And we can sit in silence and not feel uncomfortable. So we yeah. must come to a point where we feel good about just being silent for a moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. We must respect our Mother Earth because yeah. if she dies, we die. Yes. We must care yes. for her waters, yeah. her animals, her trees. They are life-giving trees. Absolutely. And I'm wondering, I see all these things being happened to Mother Earth yeah. all through greed, greed, yeah. greed, greed. Yeah. And, um, and for animals. I'm the voice for animals. We only yeah. take from nature what we need. We yeah. mustn't kill for sport. Yeah. That breaks my heart when I see people just go out and kill for the heck of it. Yep. yep. To me, that's so, so wrong. It's and if not. they're going to kill an elephant, in my view, they should sit down and eat the whole elephant. Yeah. As food. Uh, yeah. In yeah. one sitting, see how, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is my passion. Our Mother yeah. Earth, humanity and animals. Yeah. So yeah. I have yeah. claimed back those ancient beliefs, but they that's, so current for today as well. It's it, very so current for today. Me, dreaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got another friend I think I might have talked to you about who um, has written a book, um, uh, Journey into Dreamtime, um, another wonderful Aboriginal friend of mine. Um, so which brings me to the fact that we need to talk about your beautiful book called Alice's oh, yes. Daughter yes. <laughs> before we forget. <laughs> So yes, Jackie, Jackie, Jackie helped yeah. you write the book, and I know Jackie's online with us. So I'm really curious to know how did you go about getting all the information for your book, seeing well, as you grew up in a mission. Well, the native welfare kept every single moment of our life on a native file. Oh, really? So I, I wrote away for my native titles, but I did not actually get mine. I've got oh. my mothers, my grandmothers, my grandfathers, my great-grandmothers. So I've got hoodles and oodles of native records. Yes. And I said to Jackie, I can't handle going through these records. Can you please do this? So I handed her a pile of native records and she sifted through the whole lot. Wow. Richly and emotionally, I didn't have the strength to no, go through I... because of the language they used back then, <gasps> like half-cars, quadroons quarter cast, full bloods, oh. in, inmates. I was called an inmate. I'm a criminal at age three. Wow. And Because when I got my records, when I, because they didn't send me mine, they said they could not find it. So Jackie and I wrote away to freedom of information and yeah. I got my records. And then the first page said, this inmate, this native inmate, <gasps> Rhonda Spratt, and I was so angry when I read the word inmate. Oh, my goodness. And then in brackets, it had all this, the, this file is too sensitive for your eyes. <gasps> so when I turned the first page, it was all blacked out. Every single page was blacked out because it was all too sensitive for my eyes. And I thought at that time, wow. I needed to know what was in my file because my niece, she's a filmmaker, Janine Kelly, Yes. She um, 
stays with me now and then. She's in Toowoomba and she yeah. says, Auntie, every night I feel sad for you. I said, what for? She says, I'm wailing in my sleep like our old women. Yeah. And I didn't know I was wailing in my sleep. So yeah. I'm blocking something which is very traumatic when yeah. I'm awake, but it comes seeps out when I'm asleep. Yep. So I thought my records would help me find what that was, find what it is. But apparently, it's too sensitive for my eyes. So every page was blacked out, and I'm, I was so cross. Oh, I, I was I was proper wild with that mob, <laughs> and justly so. So is yeah, there I still any don't chance? Know what's in it. Is there any chance that it will ever be unblacked out so that you can see, like? I don't know. Maybe I'll try again and can I see exactly what is written about me? And and, and it is my right to see what's there. It is definitely your right to see that, see that and, and definitely your right to know what's been written about you and, and for your children and grandchildren as well. Yes, because um, see how the book came about, I I would come to Jackie's house and I would speak to her and she'd type it. Yes. And then I'd write some at home and I'd email it to her and do yeah. all this thing. And then, um, did you want to talk about it, Jackie? Yeah. This so is Jackie. Auntie, yes. Auntie. Lovely Jackie. <laughs> Hi, Tony. Hello. Yeah, yeah, I met Auntie because I'm a community worker and she was in an Aboriginal arts project I was running at a community centre at Ipswich. And she came in one day and told myself and an Aboriginal elder who was a uh, mentor for the program about the time when she was 12 years old, when she yeah. first met her mother for five minutes. And um, Auntie Pat turned around and said, oh, someone should write this down. Jackie, you should write it. So yeah. uh, the next year, 2013, Auntie started coming to my house one day a week for two and a half years. And we yeah. wrote Alice's daughter together. And Auntie had a lot of poetry as well that she's written her whole life. And of course, yeah. her beautiful artwork and then we wrote to um, Churches of Christ who ran Auntie's mission in Carnarvon, WA, and yeah. gave us permission to use the photos that had Auntie Rhonda in um, yeah. she, she was a child growing up. So all these things came together and it turned into a book uh, together with the government records, official documents, and uh, we were able to uh, well, I researched the policies and so Alice's Daughter uh, is the book, Alice's Daughter, Lost Mission Child, and it was published by Aboriginal Studies Press in 2017. Yeah. And so it not only is in Auntie Rhonda's voice, because it is her voice that yeah. how she speaks. So a lot of Aboriginal people feel that she speaks for them, and it's very, very accessible and it's very easy to read. Yes. But in the back, it has a glossary of Aboriginal Words. language and Australian yeah. And yes. Policies, and so you can learn the history. If you don't know about Australia's yeah. Aboriginal history, you can learn when the policies were and what they involved, and how um, terrible they were. Yeah, yeah, uh, phenomenal that um, it was it was allowed to happen under the guise of assimilation. First of all, protectionism, and then assimilation. So protectionism from the 1920s. We go right back to the 1920s through assimilation, which started when Auntie was uh, about, oh, she was in school in the 90s, yeah. early 1960s, when uh, yeah. she was from mission school to the white schools. And 
in a in a bid to make them white so that we were one cohesive Australian society to basically um, work um, I suppose get rid of Aboriginal culture. Um, like it's, it's cultural genocide rather than yes. massacres um, then to actually, um, instead of actually killing people, to yeah. read out the Aboriginal uh, population and to um, kill off the culture by denying language, denying culture, denying family relationships. Um, mm. and, and Aboriginal people were not Australian citizens until 1967. They were part of the... Um, Flora and fauna until 1967. And we still have these living treasures like Arnie Rhonda, and that's why it's yeah. so precious that she speaks, um, and that people realise this was not that long ago, and not that long at all. Have a long way to go um, to to amend this history and to heal this trauma. Correct. Correct. That's I'm, so true. Can I read a poem, look? Oh, absolutely. It's called Lost Mother. Yes. Yeah. And is my lost mother. I yearned to know and see. I slowly walk timidly into her arms. She caresses and nurtures me. Her beautiful fragrance and song wash over me, giving me fresh dreams, filling the emptiness, replacing my worth. Sadness and pain buried deep in the earth. She whispers and tells me that here I belong. Let your spirit be free. Let your spirit be strong. This land is yours as far as the eyes can see. It flows in your blood right down to the sea. My spiritual totem she reveals to me. Emotions of peace, feelings of belonging. Her gentle soft tears drop from the sky. She is happy for she has found her precious lost child. Thank oh, you. Auntie, that is just beautiful you write the most beautiful poetry it's just gorgeous and i just before we run out of time i just wondering if jackie can pop into the comments where people can get your book where they can contact you or jackie so okay. that um if they're interested in your book um they can buy it and i just want to thank both of you for coming on Radio Tony today. It's really been my absolute privilege and I feel humbled that I've been able to talk to someone who I feel is a national treasure, Auntie Rhonda. Thank you. And I am so sorry for all that you've suffered, but I'm also grateful that you survived and that you had the strength and courage to embrace your history to write about it and to keep talking about it and I'm incredibly proud to see that you're doing such amazing work with teenagers and prisoners and promoting Aboriginal art uh, art culture poetry and songs and 
I'm grateful that you've come on Radio Tony today and thank you so much. Thank you so much and I'd like to thank the listeners and for you for giving me the opportunity to speak. So thank you all for hearing my voice and um, I really appreciate it. Thank you so very, very much. Aboriginal blessings to you all. Thank you, Anironda. Um, so that's just about time for uh, me to finish today. It's been a really wonderful show and I feel incredibly moved to tears listening to Auntie's story and hearing about our horrible uh, Australian history. But that's just about all for me this week. I will be back next week on Radio Tony. This is your radio host, Tony Lontis. Um, thank you so much to our guests today, Rhonda Collard-Smith and Jackie Farrow. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'll see you all next week, or rather I'll talk to you all next week. Bye thank for now. You. Go well and go strong, everybody. Thank you. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7 pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mama.